Hey, I'm Steve Folland. How are you doing? Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for copywriter Gareth Hancock. It was definitely a case of applying for too many jobs at certain points and not being able to handle it, but then making myself handle it by working ridiculous hours. It wasn't much of a work-life balance then, because the pay wasn't good enough to have a work-life balance. I used what little pay out I had to build a website and to buy business cards, to buy the shed to work in. That was always my intention to write uh, slightly humorous and just informal. That tone of voice does help me stand out a bit online. Yeah, so there is Gareth, who also goes as the name That Content Shed. I think I found him on Twitter. I sometimes lose track of where I discover people, first of all, but I do I do remember thinking That Content Shed really stood out and then like getting absorbed into his website and stuff like that. Anyway, lots to, to, to talk about, no doubt, with Gareth in a moment. Uh, he is a copywriter based in... Teesside, which if you're uh, listening outside of the UK, is is like on the northeast coast of the UK, sort of like between Newcastle and York, if you've ever heard of those places. So that that's where he's from. By the way, just to point you in the direction of the website, though, beingfreelance.com, also on social, you know, at beingfreelance on Twitter or at sfolland on Instagram, where as well as the stories, I'm also doing Instagram TV, IGTV now as well, which is kind of like little clips from the vlog. The vlog itself is on YouTube, but also at beingfreelance.com. It's whereas the podcast documents or like is me chatting to other people about their experiences and their story. The vlog is me documenting my freelance life. So like the ups and the downs, the overwhelm, like the figuring things out, it's all in there. Uh, So thank you so much for the comments on that by the way and if you've come up and said hi at one of the events i've been at over the last few few months because of the vlog or the podcast it, it really means a lot so thank you so much it's been really nice to meet you all go to beingfreelance.com and check it all out there's articles and more there besides and as ever if you want to do one thing actually let's make it two things if you want to do two things to help the podcast then one is to leave a review wherever you get them you know those nice things you might be thinking in your head by the end of it yeah why not write them but two, tell someone, like, you know, be it on social media uh, or uh, in person, a meetup or something like that, or over coffee, like tell somebody about it as well so that they can hear nearly 140 odd people sharing their stories as well. Right then, that's enough from me. Let's hear from Gareth instead. Freelance copywriter Gareth Hancock. Hey, Gareth. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good. Whereabouts are you based, by the way? I'm in Teesside, which is Middlesbrough. But yeah, Teesside is the is the area which I'm best. Cool. Okay. Now, as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Yeah, so I'm going back like about a decade now. So I used to be in the building trade and I'd never had any sort of job in writing or anything like that. But in 2008, when the recession hit, I was made redundant. And so I spent months looking for a job and then I got odd jobs back in the building trade so I was in and out of work, in and out of work, and eventually there was no work. And I was on the door for probably seven to eight months, and there was nothing, nothing at all. So I'd thought, I'd thought in my teenage years about writing, but writing to me then was you either write a book or you work for a magazine or newspaper. So, I mean, I just, I just dismissed that. It's not the working class thing, if you know what I mean. The working class thing is usually to go out and, and get a manual labour job, especially from the area I'm from. I mean, at this point, I had nothing to lose. I mean, 
I thought I'd, I'd, maybe I can look around for a job doing something online. I mean, I enjoyed working on the computer and doing bits and bobs. And so I stumbled across, I can't remember how I stumbled across it, but I stumbled across the, the website uh, freelancer.com. And so I was looking around for, for jobs, not even particularly writing jobs, just jobs I could I could do online to make a bit of money. Because at this point, I mean, it was, it was getting bad, like financially. It was really bad financially, actually. So it was a case of I had to make some money, but I also had nothing to lose in whatever I tried at this point because I couldn't get a job anywhere else. And so I seen a, an, an advertisement for a content writing job, which was writing about, I think it was something as dull as writing about ironing boards at the time, that first one. So they wanted to sample something. So I, just, I wrote a sample. It was actually about football I wrote about, which had nothing to do with what they wanted, but they, ha- they were happy with the, the quality of the writing, the standard of the writing. So I, got that, I landed that gig and it took off from there. But... I mean, I was stuck on the on the mills, Upwork and Freelancer, for a good three years, and it was a struggle. And I seen a job at a local uh, digital agency. They were looking for a copywriter. By this time, I knew what a copywriter was. I didn't have a clue what a copywriter was when I first started. <laughs> I was just a writer, I just wrote words. I still just write words now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I applied for that job, and I got it based on the strength of my, my freelance writing. And I was in that job for two and a half years, and then as is usual with me and jobs, I uh, got laid off. <laughs> it, that was last year, which is when I, but luckily by this point, I'd, I had an understanding of freelancing. So I came back into it with a fresh mindset and a knowledge of actually how to earn decent money with the knowledge I'd built up. And that's when I started uh, that content shed, which is where I'm at now, which is I think just about a year old this month. Wow. Do you know, man, what a story. So what were you doing in the building trade? I was a dry liner, which is... A lot, of, a lot of people know what a dry liner is, but it's basically putting plasterboards on walls. So I'm not quite as high tech as a plasterer, as fancy as a plasterer, but <laughs> I've basically done I've done the job that enabled plasterers to do their job. So being on on benefits, trying to find work, not being able to find it for so long as well. Like you said, like seven to eight months at one point, and then I guess I'm guessing then you'd find a job for a little bit, and then that would come to an end, and you have to the cycle starts again. That must that must be so soul destroying when you're going through that. Yeah, it really, it really, it really was. I mean, I mean, at one point I was asked by the door to um, like asked if I could like write my name as a test. Because I thought I was just incapable of doing anything. Like I was as low as you could possibly go in terms of like I couldn't find anything. They put me on courses and stuff to CV writing and things like that. But I was sending CVs away, and the worst it got was it, we actually lost the house. The mortgage we just couldn't pay it. I mean, my partner she was she was at college at the time. She was uh, trained to be a teaching assistant, so she wasn't working either. She had placements, but these were unpaid placements. And we had we just had a young child, a two year old. Um, so we lost, we lost the house and then eventually lost the car and basically had to start from scratch, from nothing. But as you say, that also gave you a place of no fear when you went on to freelancer.com and thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? Well, exactly. I had, no, I, had no, I had nothing to fall back on, so it, it had to work, really. So you you clearly had no por- portfolio to show as a copywriter because you you didn't know what one was um so you you were writing samples in order to win the particular work so what was your experience early on then of winning work like what did you find worked when you were trying to win pieces of work especially you know you couldn't say i've done this this and this yeah i kind of uh picked up a knack of being able to pitch quite well early on which it's a method i still use this day it's just not be too formal in your pitch 
I always try to use a bit of humour when I'm pitching. And I was just, I was honest from the outset, basically, like, here I am, I've got two months' experience, but I think I can do a decent job for you. And I'd, I'd offered to write a test piece. And it was the test piece that usually sealed the deal, like, and that enabled me to get a rating on Freelancer. And once you've got a bit of a rating, it bumps you up a level above other entry-level people. Because it is a race to the bottom on there, rates-wise, but I was managing to like bag a bit of work um, against other writers. Yeah, so as you're rated, so every time you do a job for somebody, they mark you, basically. They give you a, a bit like TripAdvisor. They give you a rating. So the rating rises, your portfolio of examples that you can share rises as well. I mean, you say race to the bottom. Does that mean like the experience wasn't great of those sites? Or I've given advice to a few writers recently, and my advice is like, by all means, start an upwork, but don't hang around there too long. It's because uh, the uh, cost of living in other countries is a lot lower than the cost of living in the UK. So it enables writers to charge a, a lower rate. And so you, you're stuck. I mean, and these are very competent writers. And so they, they can do the job for a fraction of the price I can do it for. You're struggling to find work. So I was having to almost match. I mean, I was very, I was only just above what, what the writers in India could charge and stuff like that. I'm talking like early on. I think my first few pieces were like $5 an article. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous now. But I didn't know any different then, so it didn't really bother me. Yeah, and it gave you that opportunity to to get the experience. Like some somebody was paying you to write. Yeah, exactly. That's how I viewed it, yeah. Someone's paying me to write words. So I have, that's not a bad life. <laughs> that's how I viewed it. Yeah. But then, like, does it transition? Like, did you start to sniff out the clients who maybe were willing to pay more? Yeah, so uh, I managed to get a steady flow of actually regular regular clients. I ended up with like two or three. So I, I, I by probably a year, year and a half into that, that original stint of freelancing, I picked up three regular clients and it stayed that way for a while. So I was able to just, they were able to provide me with work. They basically owned their own agencies and the outsourced content. The rates still weren't great based on, what I now charge but yeah it was it was steady work it paid the bills so it was, it was it was all good and and you never transitioned off of the platform until you got that job you know working for an agency no yeah no I was stuck I didn't know any different that's all there was to me I didn't know of I mean I LinkedIn would have been around then but and I wasn't on there I never it never occurred to me that I could go and pitch a local business I maybe I maybe I'd, I'd done myself a disservice I just thought I was a just a content writer on a content mill. I didn't know any different. Did you have anybody to talk to as you were going through this stage? Like, was there anybody else you knew doing similar things or people that you met in any way that knew what you were going through? No, no nothing. I went it alone. I completely, no one in my friend circles, they, all they see as is, he works from home, he must do nothing. And online, I didn't, I didn't know anyone. I just went it alone. I didn't, I had Twitter and Facebook and stuff, but I never, I never, knew of any Facebook writing groups like I do now or I never linked with any of the copywriters on Twitter or anything like that. I just I was just completely in my own little little bubble with the clients I was working for. And how did you manage your workload as in especially early on where where you might be doing a lot of hours because you're having to find the work and then do the work, maybe do some samples and therefore the temptation I'm guessing must be to take loads of work. Or actually like sometimes presumably you might apply for loads of jobs because you might not get them all and then maybe they all come through i don't know like th- that that must be quite quite a thing to manage in itself yeah well it, it was definitely a case of applying for too many jobs at certain points and not being able to handle it but then making myself handle it by working ridiculous hours 
eventually got a, just a, a stream of work coming in for those three clients, but I was still working like full day. I mean, I was churning out content. Like, and there was days where I was doing 10,000 words a day and stuff. There wasn't much of a work-life balance then because the pay wasn't good enough to have a work-life balance. <laughs> to be honest, it was work, 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 just so the bills could get paid. So it must have felt great when you went and got that full-time job. Oh, it was massive. The, the reason I looked, I got fed up of, uh, I mean, it was a case of the bills appeared and then nothing left after that. That was soul destroying. Like, So I started to look around for just to be an employee somewhere so I could get a regular paycheck, a decent regular paycheck and have my tax sorted and everything like that. And that was, yeah, that was massive, getting that job. Now, I learned a lot there as well because they sent us on SEO courses and things and conferences, uh, social media. So I learned, I learned a lot there. And I got a lot of time to be able to, to read, read articles, and which I've done anyway, but it was always against the clock. I never had time for anything. But when I was in, this, when I was in the full-time job, I got time to read and learn and master my craft a bit. No, that's no, really great. So when you then found yourself a couple of years later redundant, how did that then, like, were you think, actually, no, I can do this. Like, I can be freelance and, or did did you, or did you think, right, I'm going back to freelancer.com or like, how, how what was your mind at that time around? No, by, by this time I was, uh, I knew I was, I was, a, I was part of writing communities on LinkedIn and Facebook. I got LinkedIn as soon as I joined the digital marketing company. And then I was, I, I knew what the crack was of LinkedIn. I had a better idea of how to be a successful freelancer then. And so when we were notified there was going to be redundancies and the marketing department was getting obliterated, basically, I actually applied for voluntary. I'd done that partly to try and keep other people's jobs because there was only a certain amount of people that were going because I knew at this point I could I could do it. I convinced myself and I convinced everyone, <laughs> everyone that had listened that I could, I could make a living, a good living. I could replace my wage with freelancing. So how did you go about that? I started getting clients before I'd actually left and doing a bit of work on a night and I was doing bits and bobs that way and then I, I created a website which is a bit of a portfolio mentioning some of my previous freelance work on there and then I just uh, set myself up to go for it once once I got laid off and then once I had got laid off I used what little payout I had to build a website and to buy business cards and to buy the shed which I work in <laughs> and I, just, I networked like crazy in the early days online more than in, in person but just just put my name out there just create blog posts and whatnot so so when you were networking online that would have been within groups and things like you mentioned earlier what was paying off for you like where was the work coming from definitely uh linkedin i mean that's 90 percent of my workload is is linkedin so how do you go about getting work on linkedin early on it was just a case of um i'd just go on linkedin i'd, I'd type in the search box freelance copywriter and then i'd search through people's posts, looking for copywriters, and just uh, leave a comment on the thread and send them an, a message, and then have a little chat, and then send them over some stuff via email. And that's how. Mm. I see. So it wasn't job ads; it was just people maybe saying, "Hey, I'm looking for a copywriter. Does anyone know any?" That sort of thing. Yeah, I thought with job ads, I mean, you put yourself up against a lot of people that were going to be more experienced than I was. Rather than do that, I'd, I'd look for people that are actively looking on LinkedIn. And just go that way. I think it's easy to build up a bit of a personal relationship that way. You know who you talk to from the off. And do you get recurring work from those lots of those people? Yeah, yeah. I'm at the stage now where I get tagged in a lot of things on LinkedIn, which is good. I've not had to pitch for a few months for work, really. So what do you mean when you get tagged? As in somebody says, sees something and thinks of you? Yeah, basically, yeah. So they'll, 
they'll see it and someone's looking for a copywriter then another copywriter on there or someone maybe I've worked for would say, ah, oh, Gareth might be decent at this role. And they'd tag me and then I'd see it and say, oh, hello, mate. He's, uh, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a buzz shortly. I, I loved when you mentioned your shed because you call yourself That Content Shed, which is a brilliant name. Is that what you started using immediately after you'd been made redundant and you started afresh? I couldn't think of a name while I was still while I was still at the uh, the agency. I I, um, I was thinking of names and I was getting other people to try and think of names. We couldn't think of any. Uh, I can't even remember any of my own names. Uh, I'm finding them a couple people. Yeah. So my idea was I'm going to write content. I'm going to do it in a shed. That content just people. I just got laughed out of the building. And I said <laughs> when I said I was going to be uh, that content shed, but I thought why not? I love it. I- I love your about page where it says, what is that content shed? And it says, a one-man freelance content agency in a shed. <laughs> but actually, the other thing I love about your site, and that you know, that's the point of it, is, um, I don't know, that I mean, you, you said about making that sort of informal connection. The way it comes across, it sounds like a human being. Did, did you try lots of different things, or did you just go with what felt naturally? No, I've always, I've always that was always my intention to write to write like that, uh, slightly humorous and just informal. And the, the biggest praise I've ever got is just from uh, my partner's cousin said that the website just was normal, which I thought was a brilliant compliment, which she's just a head, she's a hairdresser. She got what copywriting was and she got what I was doing. And that's all, that's all, I, that's all I wanted to be, just for normal people that don't know anything about copywriting or writing or SEO to come on the site and just understand what, what the crack is with it. And do you find, because of the way you've written your website, do, do people say, oh, I, I want you to write this, I want it to sound like your website? Like, do, do you get that kind of work now? Yeah, I do. I do get a lot of that work, a lot of that uh, writing in that style. Yeah. Uh, I still do more formal pieces of stuff every so often, but a lot of my work is based on what they've seen on, on the website. Yeah, that, that tone of voice does help me stand out a bit online, so... I do get quite a bit of work just from that tone of voice on the website, which is great. Yeah. And so you mentioned work-life balance, you know, being terrible when you were on freelancer.com, especially early on. How is it now? Oh, much better. Much, much better. Uh, I tend to rely on my phone a bit much when I'm not, when I'm doing the life thing. I'm always on my phone, on Twitter and doing stuff like that, work-related. Uh, but I spend a lot more time with my kids now. I've got two kids now. I don't work weekends where previously I would have to book off a Saturday because I'd overbooked myself with work. I'd have to write on across the Saturday, but now I can take weekends off. I usually only work afternoons during the week. There's only a couple of days a week where I work mornings, so it's I've got it just about right. I and mean, I could do with I could do with put my phone away a bit, but I've got it. I've got it just about right. I think yeah, it's good. That's a, I'm intrigued about that whole I don't work mornings thing how how did that come about like uh no it's not it's not through laziness it's through necessity um i look at my partner she works um morning she works mornings as a teaching assistant and so we have a two-year-old so i, I look after him on the mornings and we just go to the park and eat ice cream and go bowling and we go to the cinemas and it's brilliant oh man can you look after me as well of a morning that sounds absolutely <laughs> I think I need a lot of cake. I need a lot of cake, though. Wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, how how special is that, though? So you've got like uh, another year or two of of that before the whole school thing kicks in. And the- I, well, he starts he starts in September, uh, like a little morning nursery. But yeah, I've got another year of of that before full time school kicks in. Yeah. 
I've done a similar thing in the past as well of, of looking after our daughter and things. And one of the things can be, well, well I, I still seem to be taking on the same workload as if that wasn't happening, but I would just be doing it in the evening or staying up late and like shifting my, my day. Whereas like, yeah, you, you seem to have gone, well, no, actually, maybe I just need this amount of work and I will just do it in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I go full time, when I can like properly full time, I will increase uh, the work, but, uh, I'm lucky to have like I've got a full time wage on a on part time hours. I guess if you added the hours up over a week, I probably do work full time hours because I, I mean there are there are nights certain days when I will work till nine ten o'clock on a night from one o'clock in the afternoon. But but in order to do that, you have to presumably turn some work down. Yeah, yeah, I do have to turn the, the, odd, the odd bit of work down. Yeah, I've got a, a Trello as a godsend. Trello uh, manages my life, so I can see exactly what I can fit in. I don't. I never want to uh, let any clients down. So if I can't do it, I just won't do it. I'll, I'll refer it to someone else. How how do you use Trello? Then, like, do you use? Is is there a particular thing that you've set up in order to make it work for you? Trello. Oh, I love Trello. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> love Trello. I can't get I can't get another Trello. So yeah. So what I do is I have um, I'll have a column where it's just work to do, and then I'll have a column to proofread, and then work that's completed and sent, and invoices to send invoices paid and then i have a little bit of personal things to do which is like my own things on my own site i mean if travel ever ever broke down i'd be in bits <laughs> yeah interesting but, but you're using like one board and it's like it's all going on there and it's all progressing across so you can just look at it and say well i know i just don't have space i've already got this lined up yeah and obviously with with Trello you can set you can set deadlines and stuff so you know exactly when stuff's due what needs to be done and when so it's ideal. Yeah. And how have you found dealing with like the the financial and business side of being freelance? Yeah, I've not I just I mean I earn I earn what I earn and that pays the bills and I have enough left over. Fire the tax situation, I mean I just take it on the nose. Uh, when I was freelancing previously, freelance version one, I, I never earned that enough. I mean, tax was like minimal. I never earned enough to uh, to actually pay that much tax. So I was never that offended by the tax bill when it came in. Now, because I, when I worked in the building trade, I also used to have to do uh, self-assessment tax returns and stuff. So I, I, know, I know I do all my own tax returns. So I'm pretty savvy that way. But I'll just manage all myself. But when the tax bill comes, I'll just take the hit. When you say you take the hit, does that mean you've not, put it to one side you just think okay it is what it is and it it is yeah yeah just yeah you're a bit uh down in the dumps for a day or so but then you pick it up off the floor and pay it <laughs> yeah what what i felt because i used to really struggle like like you, you know doing all that and then i found like if i submitted it earlier you know because you can do it after april but it tells you how much you're going to owe like the following january yeah, you don't have to pay it, but you know what you're liable for. And therefore, I could go, right, I'm going to put 200 quid a week into that account in order to, by the time you hit the end of January, you've suddenly got all that. But, um, and the, the, the other good thing about submitting it then is if you know where they take money on account, if you had paid too much or they thought you were going to earn too much and stuff like that, then it all gets adjusted as well. So uh, in that July payment, I'm by no means an expert. <laughs> but, but that that got me out. Uh huh. That's a that's a great little tip, out, yeah. I think I'll go with that. Now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie. Let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? So I once attempted to jump down a full flight of stairs, Superman style, and knock myself clean out. 
I had a self-portrait of mine featuring a, in a major art exhibition, and I am a trained professional wrestler. Oh my god! Oh, I'm disappointed if a couple of these aren't true. Um, so you had a self-portrait. Where was it shown? It was in a it was in a local art gallery when I was at school. But it was a major exhibition. It was like a, a big press event. And I had to go to the opening. And I had to talk to the press and get interviewed. I had no idea what was going on. I mean, looking back now, the portrait was, I mean, it was just a potato with ginger hair on top. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess someone must have seen something in it. So <laughs> put it in an art gallery, I guess. Oh, you should be using that very same picture as your social profiles. <laughs> That's a wonderful image. So how old were you when that happened? I was probably 14, 15. All right, okay. What part of you thought it was a good idea to jump down four flights of stairs? Oh, mate. Um, I mean, I was rushing out to play football. I mean, I was I was probably 15 at the time, so old enough to know better than to do something like this. But because I was in a rush, I thought it'd be quicker to jump down the stairs. But jump forwards and then maybe when landed, just land into a forward roll like commando style. Jump forward like Superman, then land commando style. I thought it'd be cool. Uh, but I didn't realise it, it was a concrete like girder along the top of the stairs. So I just jumped straight into the girder and knocked myself out. And then I don't know how long I was out for, but no one came to me. I just came around, got off, carried on, went out with my ball with a splitting headache and blood pouring from my head. And arrived about <laughs> arrived at my friend's house and he's like, Do you know you've got bloods on your face? I was like, That's it's fine, I've just just fell down the stairs. <laughs> oh my god. And you're a trained wrestler. Professional wrestler, yeah. So uh, do you have a wrestler name? I, well I did have when I was a professional wrestler. I, my name was El Cachillo, which is which is the knife because my attacks were sharp. I didn't give myself someone gave me that name, but it sounded all right. El Cachi- and a costume? Yeah, masked, masked wrestler, yeah, because I wouldn't say I'm not the most uh, muscular of chaps. And I had, a, I had a purple and gold mask. Did you have a cape? No, I didn't have a cape. No, I should have had a cape. Uh, you made that sound like, no, I didn't have a cape. Like That was a ridiculous thing to say. But you're wearing a purple and gold mask. Uh, is it a full face mask like Spider-Man or a half? No, a full, a full on luchador Spider-Man with uh, gold and purple, full uh, head-to-toe lycra. I have no idea. You are excellent at lying. I mean, okay, I've got to say, the wrestler sounds like it could be made up. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Oh, my God, am I right? Is that the lie? You've got it right, yeah. (laughs) Yes! I didn't think you'd get that. No, but I was you. You you submitted too soon because I was going to say, but oh, I should have carried on. Oh, no way! <laughs> you your guilt overwhelmed you, and you were like, "Yeah, oh, I well, there we go." I I st- do you know what though? I said it sounds made up, but what I was going to say is, but I still believe you. Like I totally, but I'm kind of disappointed that El Curcio didn't exist. Well, there you are. If, if Columbo ever comes calling, you know what to do next time. Keep quiet. If you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Oh, God, uh, it'd be to get out there and find other, other freelancers, befriend other freelancers online or in person, network, because it, it gets lonely. It can get really lonely. I think since I've linked with other copywriters on Twitter and stuff, it's been a hell of a lot easier to have people knowing what, what you do and what you go through on a day-to-day basis. 
Yeah, so it'd, it'd definitely be that. And, and don't start content mills too long. <laughs> Have you s- sort of moved that into real, lo- as in offline as well? Or like, do you know other people? Yeah, I've got a couple of friends locally now that are content writers, which is which is great. But yeah, still mostly online. But online for me is like real life. I'm on, I'm on Twitter that often. <laughs> Gareth, uh, it's an absolute joy to speak to you. Go to beingfreelance.com and link through to that content shed gareth's uh website because it's it's a really nice one to to check out and see see what he's up to and of course you'll find on there links to his social you know like twitter and uh, linkedin and um facebook and what have you uh, all on there uh, but thank you so much really appreciate your time and all the best being freelance yeah thanks mate much appreciated thank you